All right. Welcome back to Let's Talk Valdosta, a podcast by the city of Valdosta's public information or PR and marketing. In all the above. All the above. <laughs> it's been a while since we've been here. Um, we had a little change in the department. Um, we have a new PR marketing director. Her name is Shar Denton, and she is here with us today. And we will be talking to city manager Mark Barber. Um, and our main topic today is going to be the American Rescue Plan Act or ARPA funds. Um, there's a lot going on with that. Uh, city Council just passed um, what they're going to do with those funds. So, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Marcus. And let me just start off by saying that uh, uh, Ms. Denton is such a, uh, a great asset to the city in addition to the city, and we're looking forward to the, the great things to come that she's going to do for the city. So welcome, Shara Denton. Thank you. Uh, the, the American Rescue Plan Act, you know, came about uh, by President Biden and the Treasury and trying to help folks get through the pandemic and, and, and survive the pandemic. Uh, back last year, and uh, they passed they passed the act, and, uh, and there were some interim re regulations, really not final regulations, not the rules you truly needed to go by. But in June of 2021, because we're a metro city, uh, we're not, we're considered an entitlement community, which means we don't have to, you know, uh, compete for grants and things of that nature. So since we are metropolitan, we did receive our first check of $8.1 million. Our total allocation for the ARPA funding is $16.2 million. And they broke that up into in in, uh, two installments for the city of Alasta and everyone else. And it's truly uh, something I don't think we'll see in our lifetime again. It's highly unusual that a program such as this for the magnitude and the amount of funding, but what makes it more spe uh, specific for us and exciting for local government is that normally it stops at the state level and it doesn't trickle down to local government. And in this situation, it has trickled down to local government. Thanks to a lot of folks uh, working with the Treasury, organizations like the Georgia Municipal Association fighting hard to say, hey, it needs to trickle on down to the, uh, to the local level. So that's kind of where we are now. And in February 2022 of this year, we did uh, receive the final regulation. So we now can start planning uh, the projects. And as you mentioned earlier, Marcus, our council has done a wonderful job in prioritizing and um, kind of getting specific with the projects they'd like to see in our community. Because as I said earlier, we won't see this again. So we want something to be long lasting and a legacy, but yet at the same time, help people in the present as well. So I think they've put together a fantastic list of these type of projects. Well, with that said, Mark, um, can you explain or tell us why it's so important for us to wait on the use of those ARPA funds when you talk about the long-term and short-term? Um, focus on that? Absolutely. I, I think that the advantage was with the interim final regs that we were looking at, it gave you an idea of what the Treasury was looking at. Uh, fortunately, we were able to put, give input into the Treasury while they were developing the final regs. So it was really an insight as to what they were looking at. And so, but we felt um, that we needed to wait to get the final regs. Uh, there have been some communities that did move forward with the expenditures that have been found non-compliant and we certainly don't want that for the city of Alasta right. because you know we want to show the treasury that we are we're very appreciative of this gesture and we want to be good stewards of the grant funding okay and um I'm, 
after all the, all said and done, um, councils voted on everything. Some of the main things you guys focused on, or council focused on, was people, small businesses and nonprofits. Um, so there's gonna, there's going to be a lot of help to go to those areas. Can you talk a little bit about um, how those funds are going to be distributed to those nonprofits and small businesses? Absolutely. Uh, I think one of the most exciting projects for me is the small business grant that we're looking at doing. You know, I think as we all know, uh, the small business is the backbone of the American economy, and they need help. And uh, even those that you know that that actually survived the pandemic. They, they're, they're open now, but there was a cash flow problem for them. Mm -hmm. And so they could have had trouble paying bills and they're still open. So it affects your credit worthiness and things of mm -hmm. that nature. So uh, yeah, a lot of people say, you know, they're still open. They didn't suffer. Absolutely incorrect. They did suffer. And so that's why I'm so excited about this project and really, really want to see this to be successful and get all of our businesses involved with it. Uh, again, we're still developing the criterion for for the grant project but we are we're going to include uh, people in our community that are experts in this area people from the chamber of commerce people from the black business alliance and others that that have a good pulse on small business and so we think that was the right way to do it and looking forward and i think uh that right now the council has allocated one million dollars for that for this project and i'm hoping we uh we spend that and some more for this project because it's so important to to our community. And you know, a lot of other folks will say, well, you know, some folks need help presently. And and I think by helping a small business, it just sets off a chain reaction because now that small business is gonna grow, it's gonna order from different vendors. So you're creating jobs, you're creating income for other businesses. So it's kind of back to the old de demand and supply theory. And mm -hmm. so you are helping folks presently and for the future. Um, housing is addressed with some of these funds, Mark, and how is the city going to handle affordable housing through these funds? Oh, great question. You know, affordable housing is a kind of a strange animal. Everybody has a different definition of what affordable housing mm -hmm. is. It means something different to, to everyone. Uh, but here in Manasseh, you know, we, we do, we're, not, we're, not, we're not unlike any other local governments right. trying to find affordable housing, trying to find good housing trying to rid our city of substandard housing. So uh, we have a project that's gonna happen, hopefully, uh, in a, the southern, one of the southernmost uh, parts of our city limits uh, that will be in a beautiful apartment complex. And it's gonna be, that would be phase one. Phase two then will look more like what a lot of folks are doing these days where you have retail established on the bottom, living on the top. And when you do these kind of uh, projects in a community in a neighborhood it just has such a far-reaching effect on the rest of the neighborhood it acts as a catalyst mm -hmm. for the new things and this is a project honestly that i've been working on for about three and a half years now and, it, and i'm so proud to see it almost to the finish line and it's going to be a great uh, a great project for this neighborhood because quite honestly there's not been this type of activity in this area for quite a number of years right. so we're really excited about that and um, I want to go backwards a little bit. Um, I know we we talked we've talked about housing. We've talked about um, we talked about small businesses, but there's also been nonprofits that have, are, that should benefit from some of these funds um, from 
council as their vote goes. Do we know how that's going to work with uh, nonprofits here locally? Well, we did. Uh, council did see have the the, uh, the foresight to go ahead and discuss uh, nonprofits, and rightfully so because I think we all know they did suffer during the pandemic. Contributions mm -hmm. went down. We were in uncertain times, and we're, we're still in uncertain times, but not quite as bad. So uh, folks were not as generous with donations to these nonprofits. So they did suffer. And what we've done is we've allocated about $955,000 for nonprofits. Uh, again, we will work with the experts. We're going we're gonna to collaborate with the United Way and Michael Smith. He's created a committee of some great folks that are going to help us set the criteria and um, help folks get through the process of uh, getting some funding through offer through the through their committee and uh, hopefully it's going to be a, a, another project where we might be needing a little more money to help folks out yeah and that would be great for those nonprofits who um, once again they suffered because people were suffering they Absolutely. weren't and people weren't giving back that's exactly right Um, that takes us to the land bank. How is the land bank affected with the ARPA funds? Oh, land bank is uh, such an important authority here for our for our city and, and the county. We, we, we collaborate with both. Uh, it's both a collaboration with the city and the county. And, you know, for when the city became an entitlement community back 20-some years ago, uh, the goal of my mayor and council was at that point in time to rid the city of Alastabal substandard housing. Mm -hmm. It was quite an undertaking. We've done a great job, but we have, we're not quite there yet because, as you can imagine, as we as we demolish one substandard structure, mm -hmm. another one comes on the inventory <laughs> list. So it, we're kind of uh, you know always chasing ourselves with that. But it's a great goal to have. And so with the Land Bank Authority, what it does, it, it identifies these substandard derelict properties, buys them, repurposes them, and resells them, and we get them back on the tax rolls, and everybody benefits. It, kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, affordable housing. Right. So, uh, and back to the, the apartment project we were talking about. So it, it's, it's a dual purpose, it's getting folks affordable housing, but when you say you're trying to rid yourself of substandard housing, and you have nowhere to put the folks that are mm -hmm. in those houses, now we've got somewhere to put them. So we've started the, the ball rolling with that. And kind of piggyback off of that, Mark, one thing I, I have been noticing in government on 101, we've been having that kick off this month, is that sometimes people don't know the difference between the two housing types of housing. Can you explain that just a little bit? Well, you have market-based housing, okay. which is just what it says, it's market-based. And then you have affordable housing. Some think of that as just, hey, it fits within my budget, so right. it's affordable, which is understand, understandable. Some think it's Section 8 housing. Some think it's going to be, you know, uh, based upon your rate of income. Mm -hmm. So it, it means something different to everybody, right. but, but market-based is what the market calls for and you can purchase that and then you have the other different areas that are considered affordable. Okay. And and the one thing that we that that, that we're working hard on here is, is that our number one, our median income for the city as a whole is low and mm -hmm. our poverty rate is higher than it needs to be. So you gotta bridge that gap and that so that's that those folks that fall between that is where the, really where the affordable housing needs to be. Okay. Okay. Now um the city also set aside some money for um, a very new and successful Valdosta on Demand. It's only been around about a year, but we, I guess we kind of shored it up with, with, with the decisions made by council. 
Absolutely. You know, public transit here, we, we finally put that in place with the microtransit system last year, as you said. We did it during the pandemic and have been so pleasantly surprised with with the progress and the success it's made. It's, uh, it's been truly remarkable. Uh, as a matter of fact, the third party we contract with, VIA, is a worldwide public transit uh, authority. and. We've, City of Alaska has been the most successful microtransit launch ever worldwide with them. So we've received a lot of attention. Uh, Senator Ossoff has been down. He kicked it off when we had the grand opening. He rode. I got an opportunity to ride with him and take him around the community. So that was great. And uh, he still mentions us to this day in some of his speeches uh, in D.C. So that, that's really been great. But it is an expensive undertaking. There's no doubt it's expensive. So. Uh, we felt we needed to kind of have something that we could continue to make sure we're providing this service in the future to our citizens. So we did uh, allocate about a half a million dollars to continue our public transit service here. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure those people who are taking that service to work every day is mm -hmm. extremely appreciative of it. Yeah, such positive testimonials from folks that yeah. are taking it. But of course, we weren't perfect when we started. We had to work out some uh, a few little uh, glitches here and there, but uh, hopefully we've done that now. Okay, and um, and I'm sure there's some things we're missing here. What else that I don't I don't have on my list that you definitely want to let people know about what we're doing here with um, with these ARPA funds? Well, you know, like you said, well, there's about the final regs came down to about 500 pages, as you can imagine, from the U.S. Treasury. <laughs> so it gave you a lot of differing uh, opportunities for for. Uh, for some projects and so how we kind of did this just to kind of step back a little bit is that myself and the two deputy city manager and our finance director along with the help of the georgia municipal association we went through this 500 page book and we put out there for council at our strategic summit here's what you can do and we did it real general not too much detail just mm -hmm. here's what you can do so they took that list of about 80 something 50 to 80 something projects there and they prioritized and got it down to the uh, the 13 that, that that we've talked about today uh, I know we didn't talk about all 13 I would like to but I know we don't have time but um, I think one of the other projects other than the uh, the housing project and the um, the uh, what's the other project we talked about small business, the small business. <laughs> how did I forget that is um, you know, I think that's going to be far-reaching and may trigger other projects that we mm -hmm. might do. So that's what I'm hoping for with that project is that will spin off because I think we can take that. Yes, we're going to help some small business, but uh, those final regs do allow for more education and more funding for startup businesses as well. Give them that education and the background and the access to capital that they can get right. to start their own business. So I'm really excited about that. So there'll be some funding for that as part of that package. That's cool. That'll, you know, spur local entrepreneurship here in, in Valdosta. It's also, sorry to cut in, but it's also awesome that you are partnering with local organizations like the Chamber and United Way to, to distribute some of that, too, because collaboration really makes a difference. So you've been doing a great job with that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, the discussion is now you can't, you can't do it on your own. Right. There's no way you can do this on your own, and you shouldn't try to do it on your own because you won't be successful. So... Collaboration is the key to it all. Uh, I'm really happy to be working with the Black Business Alliance, the Chamber, uh, the United Way, and other folks that might get involved as we go along through this process. So, you know, I'm a firm believer, and I have been for years, that for so long when I first got in local government, you know, folks just worked in their individual mm -hmm. silos. And it 
it's been proven it does not work that way yeah i mean it just the conversation we're having today i mean it looks like the future of Valdosta is bright not only because of this but because of other things we got we already had a lot of these things already started but now we just kind of got some money to you kickstart it that's right kind of take a little pressure off of of how we're going to fully fund the project but but marcus you're so right there is so many great things that go in our community uh, and, and, and yes, we did struggle with the pandemic, absolutely. But our city services never stopped. Folks, trash got picked up. We put your fire out. We caught the bad guys. Uh, we continued construction. Our our permitting uh, building permitting office were, <laughs> was just overloaded with permitting. Uh, our amphitheater that's going in downtown it it continued to move forward. Uh, but but you're right because right now we're in such a uh, a place of inflation that all materials now right. are so much more costly so we're having to revisit all of our budgets and redo those budgets but uh, again Valdosta was resilient as always mm -hmm. and uh, we made it through the pandemic and came through it even stronger than we were before well I don't know that I have anything anything else from you Shara mm -hmm. well I mean just to add I love working here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I'm, well I'm glad to hear that Shara <laughs> Well, Mark, we want to thank you for sitting down and talking to us on Let's Talk Valdosta. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on soon. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Let's Talk Valdosta is a presentation of the City of Valdosta's communications team. You can download this episode and previous episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow the City of Valdosta's social media accounts to learn about future episodes.